I never even considered the idea of being free from it. The only way to be free from it was to be slender. Hmm. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in his grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Who podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I am so glad that you're listening today. Today's episode is going to be a little different, but it's going to be super fun because I am talking to two of my coaching clients, and I've asked them to share just the journey that they've been on with wrestling body image and trying to find body image freedom. And so they have bravely volunteered, volunteered might not be the right word, <laughs> bravely uh, agreed to talk to me today about their journey with body image coaching. So Kim and Angela, welcome to the Compare to Who show. Thanks, Heather. Angela, are you there too? Yes, ma'am. Yay. Well, I tell you what I'd love to do. I'd love to just start off with you guys just telling everyone a little bit about yourself. Kim, I'll let you start, but just tell us a little bit about you so we get to know who you are. Sure. My name is Kim, and um, I live in Louisville, Kentucky now. I've, I've lived all over the country, and um, I'm happily retired now, married, happily. And gosh, I can't think of a single thing to say else about myself, so we'll just leave it at that. Awesome. <laughs> and Angela, how about you? Tell us a little bit about you. So I'm Angela. I live in Florida. I work full-time, but I'm also a mom to two two little girls. That's where I'm at. Awesome. So both of you have struggled with body image issues for a little while, but your journeys look different. And I'm wondering if you would be willing to tell us just a little bit about the different ways that you've struggled in this area, maybe when you started struggling with body image issues and what that's looked like in your life. Angela, would you be willing to start? Sure. So I think I want to say mine is like the, the typical or what I consider the typical might not be the right phrase, but mine overall growing up was pretty minimal and didn't really think too much about it. I think it started to become a little bit more popular, I'll say, just knowing and fitness in general when I was in college. And I flirted with it a little bit here and there. But when it really started to become a part of my daily life was after I had kids, um, you know, losing the baby weight, kind of getting back into shape. I kind of started through some of the big name diet programs just to kind of lose that weight and then slowly started to get into exercise and, and, and it was all real gradual, you know, just 
something to do after having the baby, something to um, engage with other people and make friends and all of that. For a long time, that's, that's really all it was. But then over time, I think it slowly became um, my identity. It became something I had to do mm-hmm. and very quickly became something that was my priority. Mm-hmm. And so it was no longer a thing I did, but it was something I had to do yeah. and it was a responsibility. If I did not do that, it was an issue. Yeah. So, so for you, Angela, that looked like a lot of rules, right? How would you describe that? Yeah, for sure. So I, over time would naturally just kind of like, Ooh, that's a neat diet. That sounds neat. So I would adapt whatever that current fad was. And then I would keep that. And then I would slowly find another one and then say, oh, that's really cool. That sounds really good. That's obviously a really good thing to do. So I'll do that too. And it was to the point where, you know, like I would log my food, which is what everybody did. And I would only eat certain things and that's what everybody did. But for me, it was so specific and so detailed that, you know, I would literally sit in bed and, and shame myself and beat myself up because, you know, my calorie count or my, you know, carb count was one gram over. And, you know, I knew I didn't need to have that extra, you know, grain of salt Mm. on something, you know, it got to the point where I literally cringed at having to go out to eat. I mean, at one point I can remember not wanting to go have dinner with my husband because the restaurant we're going to had so much sodium in all their food. And Mm. I knew that I couldn't eat there. And so I was like that panic attack mode of how am I going to navigate this? Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for sharing all that. Kim, your story, similar and different all at once. Can you share it with us? I think similar only in the, in the fact that it was obsessive, <laughs> but, mm. but very different. I was a chubby kid, skinny little kid. And then um, in my adolescence became chubby. My parents put me on a diet, you know, took me to the doctor to go on a diet when I was 11. That didn't work out so well. And in fact, there was a point, I remember at 14 or so, 15, when I was the highest weight that I've been in my entire life. Um, like 215 pounds. And I hadn't reached my full height, you know, the towering five foot four that I am today. Um, but, um, and then I sort of, you know, faded out of that as I went through adolescence and young adulthood. But I started my dieting career in my mid 20s. And it became something that pretty much consumed me. I mean, I was in the middle of um, a successful life a happy marriage and a beautiful child and a career that was um, uh, doing well. And this thrum behind it all was always my uh, my chasing after um, a slender body. And I tried every diet, all the diets. And, um, and it eluded me. I mean, sometimes I'd be successful. I'd go up and down and up and down. Um, but I could never stick with it very long. And over time, I mean, this, it was cyclical, it was, um, and, and it became more consuming. I flirted a little bit with bulimia, but I was never very successful with that. And I was disappointed that I couldn't make myself throw up because that meant I had to keep all those calories inside me. And more and more my dieting, um, going off the diet started to look more like binging. And over time, 
I progressed into full-on compulsive overeating. I was never clinically diagnosed, but you know, you could call it a binge eating disorder, where you know, I would I would plan episodes of of binge eating and mm-hmm. and go into that cycle. And and with that development came a even deeper misery, real mm-hmm. deep misery. And um, this progressed, this was maybe the last 10 years of my dieting career or dieting compulsive overeating. And through, uh, I'm a recovered alcoholic and I had never thought of my compulsive overeating as something other than a lack of willpower that mm-hmm. I simply didn't, I hadn't either found the right plan or I hadn't mustered the uh, wherewithal to stick with it. But when I got sober, that opened me up to the idea, you know, to the the availability of a spiritual program of recovery, which is what the 12-step programs can be, are in the big book anyway, a, a big book. And and I was, you know, gratefully led to that in 2016. I had lost the ability to control my eating in any way. I could not make a decision to only eat this amount of food or stay away from that amount of food. I, I literally was powerless to do that. Mm. And I was uh, desperately unhappy and um, like to the point of almost considering suicide at times or flitting with the idea of it. And, uh, and then when I was, I found this uh, 12-step um, program for compulsive overeating that didn't emphasize food plans. It emphasized the, you know, the, um, the spiritual solution and I recovered. And that was wonderful, hugely wonderful, but my weight continued to creep up. And um, I guess maybe that's enough before we get into where we are today, you know, just to say that that I recovered, I had managed to keep some weight off, but the weight was starting to creep up again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Kim, I'd like you to go ahead and just continue. So where did it get to after that? And what prompted you to decide, okay, it's time to take action, I need to do something. And, and maybe even in addition to that, did you even think it was possible to get free from all this? I never even considered the idea of being free from it. The only way to be free from it was to be slender, Mm. you know, and that was the only acceptable outcome was to be slender. Um, When I was kind of in the grip of compulsive overeating, when it really sort of took over and I'd lost the ability to diet, I just wanted to be free of that misery. You know, Mm -hmm. that was a whole, had its own life cycle. As it happened, that kicked in at a time when I had been quite successful dieting and I was down to my lowest weight in almost my entire adult life. Mm. So I recovered, I was relatively slim. um, And so that was all, you know, that was great. And I just sort of reveled in my being recovered from compulsive overeating. And I never considered that I would diet or do anything like that. um, Because the idea of sort of letting God be in charge was is a big part of recovery. And that did not for me anyway, in this particular arena, include me going back on some kind of diet. But as my weight began to creep up again, I began to freak out again. (laughs) And I found myself in a position um, at the end of 2018, when I realized that I would be able to, I could go on a diet. Meaning when I say I could, I don't mean I was permitted to, I mean that I had the actual capacity, you know, to do Mm -hmm. it within myself. And so I began um, eating keto, very strictly keto. And and I actually really loved it. It was easy and I was satisfied and it was yummy food and all that stuff. And I started to lose some weight, although not as much as others. Um, I entered, and then in the second year, because I wanted to lose more weight, I started doing fasting as well. And that was in 2020, but it, it devolved. It began to not be working for me. 
um, mm -hmm. I was not, the scale wasn't moving, nothing was happening. And then what started to happen is that I was having these little mini outbreaks of compulsive overeating. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of picked up speed to where I was once again, finding myself completely consumed with these thoughts of food, eating, dieting, my weight. And um, I just felt like a, a, a hamster on a wheel or a rat in a cage or something. And it wasn't working. I, yeah. I was, you know, you couldn't fast more than I could and still be alive. I didn't have the capacity anyway. Yeah. And that didn't make any difference at all. Yeah. So I was desperate, desperate. And so you were desperate and what, so then what happened? You, you, so, you went know, on I, Google or? Yes, of happened? course I turned to the Oracle. <laughs> You know, I mean, I wanted to find out how to be helped and um, and it wasn't going to be in any sort of conventional diet program. And I can't remember the exact sequence of what led me to discover your book, but that's what did it for me is mm -hmm. that I landed on something that led me to you. Maybe it was your website, but I think it was the book itself. And I ordered it right away compared to who and, you know, got it downloaded on my Kindle. It was just like this enormous aha, huge awakening. I had never, ever considered my struggle with my weight as something like body image idolatry or even as a sin. It hadn't even occurred to me. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that. So Angela, let's go back to your story. You are in Rules City, adding rule after rule. And I'm guessing it felt like bondage. How did sure. you know it was time to get help? What prompted you to want freedom? So kind of playing into what Kim shared. For me, it was the whole concept of, of trying to avoid having to eat, right? Mm -hmm. Having to deal with it and address it. It became something very quickly that I had to maintain. And although I would say everyone knew I was struggling and I knew other people struggled with it, what I didn't understand is the level of severity. So mm -hmm. I found myself in in situations where I fully wanted to to let go. I mean, I was in great shape. I was eating great. I'm doing all these things. And I kept saying to myself, like, okay, let it go and enjoy your your day. Enjoy this moment. And I would fully anticipate having that, you know, relaxation to enjoy the moment. And I couldn't do it. And I found myself literally battling in my own head the frustration of not being able to allow myself to break a rule or, or to be okay with the fact that, hey, this isn't something, you know, to take a step back, I definitely moralized food. This is good and this is bad. And if I do this, I am bad. I have failed. I failed the day. It was a loss every day was a court of law mm -hmm. and it was judged, you know, as a fail or a pass. And so for me, I was so tired of feeling like I had to stay within those rules. But at the same time, I was so petrified to stop living in them. So I was constantly looking for some type of parameter, some type of framework I could live in that would give me a level of comfort that, you know, hey, I can break the rules here or there and still be okay. And so I started my journey really just, you know, anti-dieting. So I started looking at things like 
uh, mindful eating and intuitive eating and things like that. But even that felt a little bit too freeing. Mm. You know, I, I still wasn't even comfortable with that idea of just eating when and what I wanted. And so one day I was just, you know, scrolling on Pinterest because I've long gotten rid of Facebook and Instagram and all of those because I just, I can't even look at it because I very quickly go down the path of, oh, what's this new diet? What's this new workout? Maybe I'll do that. Maybe that's the secret. Mm -hmm. um, but in doing so, I, you know, I would save different quotes and different things. And at some point your quote or book or something came up on my feed and it was the, you know, compared to who, and which is one of the things that one of my girlfriends at the gym will say when I would say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm getting so fat or, oh, this is bad compared to who compared to what you look great. And so I was like, okay, so I downloaded the book and started reading it in the parking lot. I was going to get my hair done and, <laughs> and then started reading it as I was getting my hair dyed, as I was waiting and very quickly went through it and ordered the next book said just come out or it was just coming out and ordered another hard copy of your book because I needed to like go back through and highlight it, you know, but again, like Kim said, it was the first time that it wasn't something I had to do. It wasn't, okay, let me just fix this. Once I've figured out my DNA, once I, I went literally through the whole DNA thing, right? The whole medical side, yeah. the whole, I'm just going to figure out what my numbers look like. And once I've confirmed that, then I'll know what my secret is, right? I'll know my right. secret formula and I'll stick to that for the rest of my life. And I'll be good. And then I can relax. Right. And so when I read this book, it was the first time I realized, wait, I don't have to do anything. I didn't fail at something. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm praising and worshiping and sacrificing to the wrong God. Yeah. And that was, that was really what stuck out to me and kind of went, oh, yeah. I, well, I love that you shared that because I, I feel like even when I start working with clients like like both of you, I don't know that we actually had this conversation, but recently I've had the conversation with some new clients where I've had to say, listen, this isn't the unicorn either. Like this isn't your miracle cure either, because I think those of us that have tried everything, we're just hoping the next thing will be the miracle cure, right? We're hoping the next thing will be the way we can get skinny and be happy, right? Because that's our, that's our objective, right? I mean, that's what we're chasing. I want to be skinny. Now, if you can tell me how to do that and still feel sane, then I am thrilled. So, um, so I love that you shared that. Tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out compareddohu.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. So you both decided to join the refocus program and you both were a part of the group we did in December or holiday refocus program. Would you tell me just a little bit, what was that like for you, Kim? 
Oh, it was, I mean, it was wonderful to find out that that group was happening. I, I was so excited to be able to go into some kind of community with people and to have a little additional guidance and well, not just a little bit. And I found it immensely supportive and encouraging because, you know, the daily, um, there was a daily post and a daily video. And I think we had daily scripture verse as well. Mm -hmm. And then the opportunity within the Facebook group, I mean, that's when Angela and I met each other and some other wonderful women. And, um, and we would just share our hearts and what we were going through and how it was all impacting us. But what it helped me, you know, I mean, I'd read the book, but I hadn't done all the exercises, you know, mm-hmm. in fact, it, um, because that refocus started pretty soon after I, I got the book and I didn't devour it quite as assiduously. But there were certain times, I mean, that um, the Jonah 2.8 verse about those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. That was just a huge eye opener for me. And I'm just going to back up for a second. I had not found in other Christian based approaches something that really got deep into me. You know, there was nothing in what we did that was just taking a scripture verse and telling me like, you know, this is what the Bible says. So you should know this is true. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're beautiful in his eyes or whatever it may be. Not that those things aren't true, but having some kind of, and I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not trying to denigrate anybody or how they approach things, but having a plaque on the wall with a saying or a verse or a Psalm, that's wonderful, but that wasn't going to help me go deep. Mm. And the work that we were able to do, even in that first one in Refocus, and looking at scripture in that way and challenging these ideas, for me to see, truly look at the idol that was my slender body. That's my idol is a slender Mm. body. And how I had spent, I mean, the money, the time, the energy, the thought, the effort that went to serving and trying to appease and satisfy that idol at the cost of my own peace of mind, and talk about forsaking the hope of steadfast love. Well, there's no room for God when I'm in the middle of that. There's no room for his grace. There's no room for leading because I've decided what my body needs to look like and he better get on board. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think everyone can relate to that. Angela, how was Refocus for you? You did something brave or well, maybe risky or, uh, I, I'm not sure what word you would use to give to it, but you wrote a letter to your husband when you started the refocus program. Would you tell us how refocus was for you and, and kind of what that stirred in your life? Absolutely. So, you know, refocus, it was like you said, the holiday edition, right? So mm-hmm. it's Thanksgiving ish time, I think was when we started it, or when this came out and I had just kind of finished the book. And it was one of those moments where I was so energized and just like, oh my gosh, this could be it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I don't want to let this go. Yeah. And I, you know, I do have a good Christian community and I do have a good like gym community, but I didn't have the two together. And for me, because I am, you know, quote unquote, slightly obsessive about things, <laughs> I knew that I needed to make that obsession about something that was um, biblical because prior to that, it would always go back to my weight, my body, my health. And so when I saw the opportunity to, to focus on the spiritual side and my body issues and kind of tap into this new excitement of this new book I had read, that was what got me excited. And I, and I joked before, during, and and still do after, 
it was like I needed that lifeline of mm. others who understood where I was at with the whole body issues, yeah. but also understood the spiritual side, understood what they, you know, what you had written to have that relationship and, and camaraderie and, and the aha moment. So that was kind of why I did it. And then as we started the program and started walking through it, again, I was really at that place of, I'm so tired of this. I want this gone. I hate that I feel this way. I hate that I think this way. And I wanted to have that group that I could vent to because I was tired of saying these things to my friends and having them go, oh gosh, here we go again, you know, mm. but they didn't understand. They, they just assumed it was, oh, you know, Angela thinks she's fat. Here we go again. You look great. You're beautiful. And I was like, no, I know that. I, I, it's not about what I, it's more, I can't let this go. It's got a hold on me. And I couldn't express that to anybody. So I joined the group to have others who understood that fight. But what happened quickly is I wanted to explain, you know, specifically to, you know, my husband, like, this isn't me just body bashing myself and talking bad about myself. This is a fight that I don't even want to be in. I'm tired of hearing myself talk about this. And so I literally just opened kind of a note in, in my phone and started just kind of writing him this letter. And that's very typical of me. Like if he upset me or, you know, angered me, I'd like give him this big long note the next day, you know, <laughs> about all the things he did wrong. So yeah, it's not unusual for me to like write a letter. But as I started to write it and go through it and really dig into it, I started to talk about things like going out to dinner and how everybody would would give me that look like, oh, is there anything you're going to eat here? You know, mm. is there anything, you know, and, and already going into, this is what they didn't understand. Going into that dinner, I was already anxious, right? So I'm already mm. prepping myself, like, it's okay. And, and then, you know what, if you eat something that you don't normally eat, like, that's all right. And you're not going to, you know, get fat overnight and, and your world's not going to end and everything's good. Just Hey, just let it go. It's a, it's one dinner, you know, yeah. no big deal. And so I'm prepping myself for this and trying to just play it cool and, and not be uncomfortable. And I'm going to just order whatever. And, and then I go to order and I'm, I'm nervous about it already. And one of two things would happen. Either someone would make a comment like, Oh, you're going to eat that. Or it would have something that I couldn't eat, whether it was dietary, you know, some dietary issues. And, and they'd kind of tease me totally in their side, all in good fun, no malicious intent. But on my side, I was already freaking out that I was outside of my comfort and I was breaking all of my rules that I literally would, would want to just get up from the table and run. I mean, I would yeah. want to just avoid the situation completely. And so I, I went through a lot of examples like that, where everybody understood that I struggled, that I had body image issues, but they didn't understand the hold and that complete paralysis that I would yeah. be in when I would have to do something as simple as go to a dinner party. Yeah, You know, I would literally panic, not knowing how I was going to be able to eat. And so I wrote yeah. this letter and I, and I went through and the honest thing is, as I read it, my heart broke for myself, mm -hmm. because I knew I struggled with these things. But it wasn't until I really called them what they were prior, I'd been like, Oh, sure, I struggle with eating. And I'm a little OCD. And I, you know, I'm a little snobby yeah. about what I eat. When I read that, had I not known it was for me, I would have gone, wow, 
this individual is really struggling. This individual clearly has an eating issue, eating disorder. And it was the first time like I had sugarcoated, I had talked about it, we flirted with it, but had never really called it what it was. So I wrote the letter and my husband was in his office and I walked in really quickly and like threw it at him in his chair (laughs) and like ran in the other room and like quickly posted on our Facebook group like, oh my gosh, I just gave him a letter. And I literally felt like I had confessed an affair Uh and I was like, oh my gosh. I think you even said, you know, well, it is right. It's it's right. an affair with with sin, right? This this idol that I've been worshiping and sacrificing and putting on a pedestal, yeah. and you know, now just real quickly, now when I look back at that letter, I'm in such a different place yeah. that it's just it's crazy to me. It was a really eye opening experience yeah. to, to see that written out. Yeah, it's your watershed moment. I mm. yeah, I love that. I love that. Hey there, if you're loving what you hear on the Compared to You podcast, would you consider doing me a huge favor? Leave a review on iTunes. Just stop right now. Go to the show's page, the main page for the show on iTunes. Scroll all the way down past all the episodes. And at the bottom, you will see five stars that aren't lit up. Right under those stars, you'll see the text write review. You click there, you write a couple words, you choose some stars, five stars, hopefully, and you leave your review. There is nothing kinder you could do for me if the show is blessing you. Thanks for your consideration. One of the things we do in Refocus is we ask you to think about triggers and lies and your thought patterns, thinking you've had. Kim, you had like one of the funniest lines, <laughs> I think, of the whole group when you, you said something like, it's your last gas for 100 miles approach to eating, <laughs> which sure. I yeah. related to. <laughs> Explain that for us, Kim. Well, I think, I think that that's relatable to anybody who's, you know, plan to go on some kind of diet. Um, is that, you know, you, you go and you get all the food that you're not going to be able to have on your diet. So, you know, last gas for the next 100 miles. So I'm going to have it because I'll never have that again, you know, right. or not for a whole long time. Yeah. Right. I love that. But were there any, anything else in refocus in terms of the way you thought or lies you were believing anything that stuck out to you, like during that program that, that maybe God started to work on in your heart and in your mind? Oh, absolutely. It's so clear to me now that it's it's kind of um, not well amusing to to think of a time when I was like going, wow, would you look at that? But the idea that my quest to be have a smaller body, that there was something sinful in that was a revelation to me. And I mean that in the full sense of the word and the struggle around it. It's not that that struggle is noble. I've got air quotes around that word. But, you know, our culture is, is we're immersed in dieting and efforts to be more fit and, and all of that. And you can, when you struggle around it, there's just, there can be a lot of camaraderie around it, you know, and even support and empathy and sympathy for it. And I'm not saying that, you know, we have to self-flagellate and put on the hair shirt, but I just started to call myself out in a way of seeing how misguided, how wrong, and not just poor me, I should be better, although yes, (laughs) but, but also this is a sin. It's almost evil in a way. I don't mean to make that a scary kind of word, but just I just started to be convicted in a in a very new way. And there was so much grasping in my going for that. You know, I wanted to have it. I needed to have 
empathic. I'd never really seen how self-seeking, how willful, how selfish, and how ungodly that endeavor really was the way I was going about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that we're trying to be conspiracy theorists, but I think you change your perspective to seeing all of those messages as more sinister than they actually are. You know, on the surface, it's like, oh, these are all messages that are helping me get healthier. And shouldn't everyone want to get healthier, which read means get skinnier, right? Right. But then but then when you start to see through to this idolatry problem, you start to see those messages in a different way. And you kind of start to see just how how hard that idol's working <laughs> to make sure Absolutely. you don't stop worshiping, right? That's right. Because there's because there's no room for grace in that. Right. I wasn't being led. I positioned the target. I got the, the goal right where it was. And then I sent the notes to God. You know, there yeah. you go. Get there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. This is my goal weight, God. What can you do That's about right. it? <laughs> I, I think we can all relate to that. Well, so you guys did refocus. And then you both ended up signing up for group training which we were able to start in January. And then you all decided to extend your group training. And so we've been working together, I think, for a total of maybe four months now. And I'm wondering, I know it's been hard for y'all to kind of look back. And I love the fact that it's hard for you to look back because that means you've changed. And it's hard to remember how you used to think and feel. But can you go back to how you felt or maybe what you thought as you prepared to start the coaching group? Did you think it would work? <laughs> Did you think there was hope? The the short answer is I, I don't know if I thought if I thought there was gonna be there was gonna be hope. I, I think what I quickly realized is the spiritual gift is you are given the grace and every single day an opportunity to to lean into that. And I think the enemy's mentality is once you get here, you'll be better. Once you do this it will be over. And so my whole life, and I like how Kim says, my whole career in dieting has been <laughs> once I meet this goal, then I can stop. Mm. And the reality is, you know, we'll never live a sinless life, right? We'll never live a perfect diet. We'll never get to a perfect place that will never be fulfilled there. And so what I learned going through this program is, you know what, there's going to be some days when I feel great and I'm happy and I'm positive, I'm totally in the right mindset. And there's going to be days where I, you know, struggle. But the difference is now what I've learned is to recognize kind of where that's coming from. And so when I can hear that voice and recognize, you know, that's, we talked about this in the group, but, you know, we referred to it as Ed, right? And Ed being this eating disorder who, you know, this fake, person, right? Persona who is in your life. You've spent so much time worshiping and and doing for, and you can hear them questioning and pushing you back into a negative behavior. Whereas when you have the grace and you know, Jesus, and you understand that this is a sin and this is something that, you know, God doesn't want for you. And you can recognize it and lean back into him and say, it's okay. What's important today isn't what I weigh on the scale or what I look like in the mirror, but it's what am I doing for him and and how does he see me? And when we start to think about what the intent is behind the goal, 
I think that's where the learning becomes. And what I mean by that is when you're kind of in the negativity and the, the diet culture, the intent is to lose weight. The intent right. is to lower the number on the scale. And when you do that, it will make you better than you were and therefore better than others, right? It comes to this whole pride issue in addition right. to the idol. Whereas when it's a grace thing and, and you're focused on your intent being a better person and a better Christian and just trusting your body, I think there's there's a lot of freeing there. Is that yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Kim, before you share your experience, I would love for I'd love for you to answer this one in, in addition, but you guys have mentioned sin a lot. And I'm afraid that someone listening might be like, well, what does she do? Just beat him over the head with you're sinning, you're sinning, <laughs> you're sinning. <laughs> and and I'd love for you to clarify perhaps that like this is a very grace-based approach. Would you agree? Oh yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I think I think for me, when I equate sin, I, I, I think of what dieting was, right? So right. for me, again, my diet was religion. My diet mm. was so a sin for me was literally eating anything on the no list. Mm. That, that was my life. Um, yeah. And it was very prideful. And I was better than somebody else because I made a better choice. Not that I thought that way or... or you know, mentally thought, you know, made those decisions or associations. But, but looking back, I mean, that's what I was doing. I was held to a different standard. I therefore had a, a more important role. Yeah. Um, but, but sin in that sense, no, I think in terms of the program, what I learned is, you know, the grace of being able to say, you know, we're, we're not machines. We're not mm -hmm set to a certain level of calories that we can have. And we have grace to find the balance and be okay with that. Yeah, I love that. Okay, Kim, so your experience in the program, what did you think as you start or what was the biggest thing that, you know, God worked on in your heart as, as you got started and worked through it? Ah, well, that's two big questions. <laughs> <in> the one. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, in terms of, you know, if I thought there was hope or what I was feeling to start, you know, Heather, you really, first of all, I felt such a strong connection to you through the refocus group, through your adorable videos and, and the way that you shared as well, not just adorable, but, you know, but heartfelt and poignant and meaningful to me. But then, you know, we had that um, initial one-on-one -on -one coaching time with me. And then you sent me that. And for each of us, you know, we had our our personalized, I think it's called a freedom plan, or I think, or I call it that anyway. And there it was, you know, I mean, uh, each week there was stuff to do and things to listen to and sermons and scripture and, you know, but, but even in the very beginning with the exercises and the things that we did prior to joining in as a group, I could see the path. And the path was exactly where I wanted to be. I mean, it built on things that I had read in compared to who and uh, burden of better and on things that we had talked about in refocus. And there wasn't any pressure or any, there also weren't any goalposts. You know, there was nothing to hit, nothing I had to accomplish. It was guidance and support and coaching and um, encouragement as I moved through my journey. It was profoundly helpful. And I just wanted to comment on the sin thing. You know, I am a relatively new 
believer. I did not grow up in a in a Christian home, and the whole idea or concept of sin was something very far from the way I thought about life. Or you know, I mean, I've read about it. I have a Bible, but I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I don't mean to sound so flippant, but and what it has come to mean, and you know, Angela and I are talking about it very freely because we've adopted to this new kind of way of thinking. But speaking for myself. I began to see that what it was, was, you know, I could um, equate that. So when I do stuff like this, like when I put myself and how I look as being the source of my happiness and the source of what's going to fulfill me and the thing that I'm striving for, because that's where I find my comfort and my security and my, and my peace was in how I looked, that that was a betrayal and hurtful to God. That, you know, that I, I see that sin as being finger wagging. No, I mean, you know, like, that I suck because I do this, but no, but, but, you know, like you would hurt a friend or hurt someone you care about, you know, so I just see it as things that are separating me from God's love and grace and that it's stuff I'm doing, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So was there one big aha moment through the coaching or was it just a series of little steps? And Angela said, you know, kind of go forward and then maybe backwards a little bit. Like, what would you describe your journey like? Yeah, I would say it was progressive mm -hmm. and that it built on itself because there was the stuff that I was doing, but, but and Angela references and, and what she just said a minute ago, Holy Spirit's working powerfully in all of this. What I began to be aware of was a lifting, mm -hmm. um, a softening, mm -hmm. an ease. And I should mention that I had stopped dieting and I was gaining weight all through this practice <laughs> and I have continued to. I'm not saying you have to gain weight to do this, but that was my experience. No one's going to sign up if you tell them that, Kim. Disclosure. I'm bigger now than I was back in December. And at the same time, I have a peace and a clarity and, um, and have feel closer in my relationship to God than I ever did before. So I don't know what to make of all of that, except to say that it wasn't like I had one, one particular moment. There were lots of moments, yeah. lots of little moments that built on each other. Well, and it sounds like the main thing for both of you is that you did figure out the problem wasn't on the outside. The problem was on the inside. Would, that, would you agree with that, Angela? Yeah, for sure. I think the reality is as much as you can resent the different struggles, it's there's blessing in that as well, because it continues to be a part of my life and it continues to remind me of what's important. And so you're, you're going to hear messages and, and be given promises and be offered the golden, you know, the golden pill or the, the <laughs> secret diet for the rest of your life. And, and every single time you're tempted, because that's what they're designed to do. That's what they're built to do. And Unfortunately, the scripture is not necessarily built to flashing lights and shiny, you know, sparkly diamonds, right? But but it's truth. And right. when you truly have that foundation to pull from, you'll still have those moments where you're tempted, but the voice is strong inside of you that says, no, I've got something better. Don't go back to that. You yeah. know where that led. Trust me, there is something better. And and that for me is what I learned as opposed to the voice prior to recognizing it was, you know, you'll, you'll never be, you, you have to work harder, mm. keep, keep pushing harder, keep, you know, that's not good enough. And so that to me is the piece. 
as I get close to that cliff, walk myself back with the tools that I've learned and to know I'm safe and God is in control. All of these things I thought I was doing that were controlling it were never really controlling it. Mm. They were controlling me. That's the part where it's the freedom. But like you said, you know, it's not to say you're going to go, oh, look, now I'm great. Now I'll never struggle with body. I'm great. No, the world we live in is designed to make us want more. And we have to constantly be ready to battle that. But the battle is worth the reward and the the freedom that comes with it. Yeah. I love what you said about backing up, however you said about the cliff and the tools. That's so beautiful and so true. Yeah. Well, and I tell you what I love. I love the fact that you two have come out of this what, four months together now as friends. And what's really cool is even though you don't live in the same part of the country and you have different stories, you two still text each other when you need a support person, even though our time together is done. And I think that's a really important aspect of the program, the refocus program and the coaching is being able to connect you with other women who do get it. So I love that the two of you have bonded and connect and still still have a text thread going all the time. Well, as we wrap up today, we're almost out of time, but as we wrap up, is there anything else you'd want to share about this program, maybe to encourage a woman who's struggling or anything you'd want to share? One, one last thought for our listeners. Kim? I would say that anybody who's feeling that kind of confusion or obsession or desperation, if they haven't read compared to who that's that's a really great way to start i also think that your website it's so rich with um, blogs and the podcasts and you seem to have pretty frequent offerings and it's not a diet plan it's not a diet program but it, it delivers much more than that and i would really encourage people to do that thanks for that Angela, how about you? I would just say, you know, if if you're sick and tired of trying and working, this is another way. And if nothing more, give this an opportunity. You know, you've you've tried diets, you've tried all the other ways, you've tried the worldly way. Give that same level of commitment to Jesus and to trusting that there's a better way. I think that um Maybe switching your idols up for a little bit and see how that works out. I think most people are going to find it's a whole lot. It's a whole lot more comfortable and a whole lot more love than the other way. So. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Freedom may not come the way we think it's going to come when we get to that smaller size or get the number on the scale. But when it comes this way, it sure does taste good. So I I love that you two were willing to share your stories courageously with everyone. Thank you for being on the show. It's been a joy and privilege to walk with you both through this process. So thank you. Thank you for being on here and sharing and allowing me the opportunity to work with you for the past four months. Oh, thank you, Heather. Thank you. Well, that is all for today's episode of Compared to Who. I want to encourage you, if you're looking for freedom, our next refocus group does start May 17th. If you're listening to this and it's like way after May 17th, don't worry. We're going to run these groups a few times a year. They're not on Facebook anymore. They're on my website, comparedtohu.me. So you don't have to have a social media account to participate. But we would love the opportunity to work with you and help you get started on your journey to freedom. Well, that's all for today's show. I hope something in today's show has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey. 
hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.